Mad Science Films. I'm Jimmy P, filmmaker and sexual astronaut. First up, guys, please check out our fourth feature film for free over on YouTube. Just search for Little Monster or click on the link in the show notes below. This episode, I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr. Terry Cooper, director of Offworld and soon to be the director of his second feature film, Bloody Students. Terry, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hello, and thank you for having me. Post-production. So, uh, smack dab, you had uh, lockdowns and COVID right in the middle of post-production, is that right, in terms of the time? Uh, yeah, we, we'd done most of the edit um, before the lockdown, hmm. and the way we went through it is we didn't have a distributor at that point. Right. So we, we the first thing we did was a trailer, and then we did... Uh, a sort of assemble edit you know so with no effects but we we got we got all the scenes together and you know the editors uh which was sean and justin at candy jar um they've got you know i know there are book publishers but justin is a, a cinematographer as well and sean wor has worked in tv for you know uh, itv and uh he's even worked on the disney channel and things like that so they know their way around tv and editing so they turned around to me and said how in love with you are with the idea with a 90 minute movie because we think we can cut this down to a better 75 70 minute movie and i'm like what's the advantage and he said well the advantage is it'll be less draggy and it'll be tighter paced you can get rid of stuff you don't want and uh, we think it'll be better that way i'm like yeah okay i think why not so we we, we saw the the first edit it was about 75 80 minutes and we were like yeah, that kind of works. All right. Needs some effects. It's pretty garish in places, but um, needs grading and everything else. And then tra the trailer went up in time for uh, a Comic-Con we were doing in Cardiff. So everyone had a trailer to watch. And not long after that, we get contacted by the distributor mm. who says, hey, guys, we really want this. And let's send you the agreements to look over. And the agreement says you have to deliver 90 minutes. I'm uh, like, ah, yeah. So that they weren't willing to waive on that because they had to qualify as a feature in, in their um, requirements or whatever. So I went back to uh, uh, the guys and said, "Can we, can we go back to ninety minutes?" And they were like, "It won't be as good." And I'm like, "I know, but we have to deliver ninety minutes." Um, and at that point, just before lockdown, we didn't have uh the guys at candy jar to edit anymore they had to move on to the other stuff so i had to find another editor and luckily i did and i said look this is currently 75 minutes and it needs to be back to 90 so we had to go through you know hundreds and hundreds of takes and go how can we extend this film you know without making it too boring or whatever but, you know slow motion everything or or whatever and you know, we came up with a number of ways and i don't think you'll notice there are a little things like in between scenes you have passage of time shots you know so we were having some stock footage of mist rolling over the mountains and some grass and stuff like that and it helps to sell the desolation of their being on this planet on their own and there's mountains and there's sky at night and there's the moon in the sky and stuff but i think it it may have too many of those stock shots in there right um but here's the kicker. Here's the real punchline. A couple of years down the line, when he goes, 
you know, I told you he he completely redrafted all the agreements and it says you only have to deliver a 75 minute movie now. I'm like, because <laughs> we had no way of editing it back to 75 minutes then. Yeah. The, the other editor had moved on. We paid We had to pay him for his work. We didn't have any with the budget ran out like a two years before that. You know, anything was doing just me and Danny and Chris were having a whip round. Um, so we were like, we, we're stuck with 90 minutes now. And it would be it would be better if it was shorter. I freely admit every film could have a little bit of fat trimmed off it. Um, but, you know, it was just one of those you couldn't plan for it. It's like we had 75 minutes. We were forced to make it back to 90. And then we were told we could have delivered 75 minutes because things had changed. I'm like, oh, really? But at least I got that in mind now for the next one. I can I can go as short as 75 if I want. So, yeah. You live and learn, but it's that's just the way it goes somehow, I guess. And I mean, you know, the other benefit is obviously having had sight of the deliverables, you know, the list of deliverables they expect, you know, going in exactly what is going to be expected of you, rather than obviously if the original plan wasn't to, you know, have it traditionally distributed. Heck heck yes. Uh, and it's good. It's it's it is being forewarned about things like this. Um yeah. one of the big things about the deliverables for the distributor that me and Danny had to do in the last couple of weeks was to contact practically everyone in the end credits and ask them to sign updated release forms. Oh, um, right. And it, it's not only for the film, but it's also for the behind the scenes documentary. You know, the, the distributors just need a piece of paper signed by the person saying, you've got my permission to use stills or footage of me in this behind the scenes documentary or, and my, my, uh, say for the composer, for example, uh, he's got to be, uh, we're allowed to use his music in the behind the scenes doc as well as on the film. And also um, he's got to be covered for his his composer royalties and broadcast royalties, things like that. And, you know, all this paperwork, a lot of it, a, there were a couple of people we'd completely lost contact with. And we had to go through old emails and Dropbox and all, you know, and ask people who might know someone who might know someone else and, tracking them down uh one person had passed away one of our uh, students who were doing makeup right uh passed away in their mid to late 20s um never got to see the film um so we dedicated the uh we 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 got the the blessing of his mother and we dedicated the behind the scenes documentary because the the film was already locked so we couldn't do thing we 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 did put a line in the end credits you know uh, thanking him for his work but it just it hammers home how long it was taken to finish this bloody film, and it's like you know, someone's died, you know, um, not from old age, although the way it was going, we were wondering how many of us would be too old, you know, to see the film finished. But um, yeah, it it just reminds you about that, and so like going forward, I know we've got to have everything covered on paper, uh, a lot better file management, you know. Any important emails have got to be saved out somewhere. Don't just leave them in and have to trawl back through 10 years of emails. Because, for example, our, our producer, uh, Adam, from the start, he went off to work for the BBC and couldn't be involved with Offworld anymore. And any emails that he'd done from his own email account, we didn't have access to. So we had to like, how do we get proof of this and the the agreements for shooting outdoors and the, the contracts for certain things? You know, it's just it became a nightmare because but at least like you say, at least now we're kind of for we're pre-warned about all this stuff that needs to be done. 
it is probably the most boring and yet the most important part is the paperwork and, it was horrible yeah. it was yeah. absolutely horrible now don't get me wrong i i i worked for months on the making of documentary i wrote it got an american guy to do the voiceover because i always wanted an american voice going <laughs> in the summer of 2016 12 people got together to make their first feature film the making of off world and he sounds like that he's great but i, I you know danny Danny got hold of all the cast and crew and did like hours long Zoom calls and we recorded it during the lockdown. And then I had to edit it together with stills and background behind the scenes footage and all this and music. And I did 50 chapters and it's over an hour and I think it's about an hour and a half long. And I'm really chuffed with it. Um, and that was the fun bit though. But the, the horrible bit was like the forms and, and the paperwork and the, the tax stuff and the limited company stuff and, yeah. and setting up a bank account for that limited company and, and going through the agreements and, and running it by a solicitor. And I was like, Oh my God. And I got to take my hat off to Danny. She did a lot of what I call the shit work, you know, the, yeah. the, the stuff that fills me with dread. Um, I, I've got that to come and I don't have uh, Danny on board for bloody students for that. It's a, you know, it's a separate thing. So I'm looking at the nightmare of setting up um, or bringing on board a limited company who will uh, already be, you know, well-versed in doing that kind of thing and running a limited company. I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to limited companies. I know what they're for and I know how to set one up, but the day-to-day -day management and running, I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the time either. Um, so I've got some of this to come, but at least I kind of know what, we're going to have to start doing. Yeah. Yeah. There, there won't be as many surprises. Not as many. No. Last week, um, we signed on the dotted line. We mailed everything to the States. We, we fulfilled an 89 page PDF list of uh, supplemental materials that need to be sent via yeah. Dropbox. We did all that. Um, and it's finally out of our hands and about to be set up, you know, for hopefully I, some sales. I absolutely loved. I th again, I think you posted this on Facebook or whatever. The the photo with Danny with the package, and then the photo with you know the US distributors. Yeah, the he's package. like that was it. that was a great kind of moment. That was a perfect picture. Ah, yeah. Do you know what? Uh, uh, weirdly enough, that long period of time it took from. I mean, because we got contacted. I got contacted in November 2017, mm. not long after filming uh, and putting the trailer up on YouTube. I got contacted by the CEO who said. Hey, I'd like to introduce myself. I run a small distribution and marketing company based in the States and blah, 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 blah. And he was like keen to say, well, you know, sign the agreements and we'll get on with it. And I was like, no, it's not to do with trust. It's more a case of this film isn't finished yet. If I sign something, it might start like a legal clock ticking saying you've got to deliver the film in 90 days or whatever it was. And I said, yeah. it, it don't look good. He said, well, show us what you got. And we showed him a rough edit. All right. And we were like, oh, my God, this is bad. This is awful. And he goes, this is great, guys. You did this for like nothing. I'm like, are you seeing the same movie as us? <laughs> and seven years later, it's a heck of a lot better. Now, we are, like I've always said to people, we haven't done seven years solid work on it because we don't have I don't have an editing suite. Danny does, but it's her husband's and like he works, you know, so it's like we don't have. I don't have the uh, effect skills or sound mixing stuff. We had to farm a lot of this stuff out and we did whatever we could, wherever we could. And it's still not perfect, but it's a heck of a lot better seven years down the line. Mm. 
and the distribution company have evolved since then. They've had some slightly bigger hits. They've diversified. They've they've, they've got an animation department. Uh, they've got um, they do they don't just do genre stuff now. They they'll do family films or Christmas films and animation stuff like that. So they brought in a new guy, and the guy you saw in the picture with a with a shirt and tie holding the hard drive yeah. uh, is a guy called Mark, who's based in uh, Phoenix at the moment. You know he he Zoom calls everyone. And he came on board about three or four years ago, and he became our main point of contact. Before that, it was the CEO, but now it's this guy, Mark, and he's just the best. He's a super down-to-earth guy. Um, he he tells it like it is. He uh, renovated the original agreement. We, we were sent two contracts, which were thicker than that, right? Yeah. Um, and he renovated it down to, like, one contract about yay big. And he stripped away all the legal jargon and said, look, guys, this means this, this means that. Don't be worried about this. Don't be scared about that. And he's like, I'll put you in touch with anyone, including people from the UK who have had films distributed with us. So you can ask them what they think of us. Yeah. Now, you wouldn't do that if you were going to rip people off or they've had a bad experience. You wouldn't go, hey, because um, there was a film called Zomblogalypse, which was filmed with... Uh, I think it was either DSLR or just iPhones. Uh, three guys up in, uh, two guys and a girl up in York. Mm. Shot it during the lockdown. So it's it's based on their web series, I think, or their blog. And it's basically Shaun of the Dead in York. You right. know, with, you know, and, and it is. It makes Offworld look like Star Wars, but it's, it's still funny. It's still acted reasonably well. Um, and Mark from the distributor said, I'll put you in touch with them. You know, you can talk about us. You can talk about filmmaking. Maybe you can help each other. I was like, well, if he'd ripped them off, for example, which I would not suggesting he would, but if he had or they had a bad experience with him, he wouldn't offer to put me in touch with him, would he? So, yeah, it is absolute key, and I think unfortunately a lot of filmmakers don't do proper due diligence on that. Um, and yeah. I know we've sidestepped a number of uh, very dodgy deals just through simply going oh, okay, this company is saying they put out this film. I, I mm. through Facebook, I'm Facebook friends with this filmmaker. Drop them a message. What were they like? Would you work them again? <laughs> the report was not good. So yeah. yeah, a lot of filmmakers don't do it. A lot of filmmakers just go with the first people that approach them and just go, yeah, have it, fine, whatever. And, you know, I, I put my hands up uh, uh, and count myself amongst those people. We, we took a lot of stuff. Uh, chances on stuff like that they were the first people who contacted us mm. and we were kind of like you know it's always a trade-off you go do you risk putting your idea out there um and things could go right or things could go really wrong or do you not risk putting it out there at all and either waiting or, or not doing anything with it i used to know a guy i did like a, a bunch of like a business course about ip intellectual properties and um this guy had these great ideas and I'd say, so so what ideas have you got? And he's like, I can't tell you. I'm like, yeah, but if you're a creator, and he's like, he said, I, I will tell you, but let me prepare an NDA. He was so protective about all his ideas that everyone's, I said, you know, we're all creative people here. I've got a million ideas of my own that I want to do. Yeah. I'm not really interested in picking through yours. Yeah. I'm interested in giving you feedback on yours. And he's like, I can't tell anyone my ideas. And I'm like, that's probably why we haven't heard of you because- <laughs> At some point, you do have to kind of bite the bullet and go, okay, let's take a chance on something. Yeah. And like you say, do your due diligence, research what you can, uh, and make a calculated risk at the end of the day. 
You know, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I guaranteed. think your your original idea wasn't it just to kind of release it on YouTube. So well, I mean... that was it. That was our trade off. We were like, well, look, we were going to put it onto YouTube or Vimeo and go. You know, the actors can say, look, I've done a feature and we did some effects and I directed this and that, uh, and that would be one thing. But then when the distributor comes out of the blue and says, hey, guys, you know, we're willing to take this on. We'll take it to Cannes. We'll submit it to all the streaming services. We may be able to do a direct-to-DVD kind of deal. You kind of go, well, even if we didn't get a penny back from this, which is probably not the best way to think, but it's best not to expect millions anyway. Mm. But that's still better than sticking it out on Vimeo, you know, or sticking it out on YouTube, for, and then that's it. Because it, it probably won't get the numbers to monetize. So you just were like, we'll just see what happens you know and even to this day yeah. um me and danny have said we we're going into it with the mindset of look it's made whatever's been paid for has been paid for we don't owe anybody anything we've made sure that the the deal we've got is anything that has to be paid for you know is paid for from any potential sales so we haven't got any upfront fees to pay and you know the distributors believe in it they reckon they can sell it and uh, i've seen some of their uh, distributed movies in my local Asda and Tesco. Uh, I was I was in the DVD rack, and right at the bottom was a clearance, and I picked up Cats. You know the uh, Taylor Swift and James Corden, and I was like, that was five quid. And next to it was Jurassic Thunder, you know, which is as good as it sounds. Uh, and it's dis- I don't know who made it, but it's distributed by the same distributor as Offworld. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I'm perfectly happy with being priced at five quid next to Cats. Or yeah. down there with Sharknadoes. Because a lot of the distributors' movies, they've got $5 million, $10 million budgets. And I'm like, my little nine grand film of 10 people arguing in a field, if that gets onto DVD anywhere, even if it's in the bargain basket next to I'm like, we made a film and it got onto DVD, you know? Yeah. What the well, I think that's the key thing for filmmakers to bear in mind is, and, and you're absolutely coming out this right way, is don't expect any money but the fact that your film has been picked up by a traditional distribution it's got to have some air of legitimacy um which will you know count springboard into the, the next thing as well instead. yeah it, yeah it absolutely does and i think yeah i think i think the attitude that you've got about it is if it makes money great but you're not expecting money and yeah absolutely using it as a as a calling card and saying look we've had this deal it's already helped because I, I I can tell people now that mm. I've I'm working on my second feature which has got a tiny bit more meaning to it because you're saying second not first yeah yeah first absolutely. people start going well so you've never done this before eh <laughs> yeah. you know and you say second they go oh well you've been you've been round the houses once mm-hmm. and you know to me I mean I read I read a uh, a quote recently on Instagram from Quentin Tarantino and he said something like there's no better film school than getting up and making your own film. Yep. And blimey, all these filmmaker quotes that I read now make so much more sense because, yeah, uh, it was it was a, a seven-year crash course, as it were, um, and I, it taught me everything. You know, I, I read an interview with uh, Edgar Wright, and he was saying that the main thing about directing that he learned young was questions get thrown at you every type of question regular hundreds every day and you got to have answers for all them questions and i before i wouldn't i would have gone yeah really it's probably like what coffee do you want you know uh, but now i know exactly what he means and everything has got so much more um knowledge built into these quotes so when quentin says 
oh, you know, there's no better film school than making your own film. I'm like, damn right. Uh, and I feel that I've, although it was a painful experience for pretty much every part of Offworld going wrong in some way or the other, and having to fix as much as we can, didn't fix it all, but we fixed as much as we can, You've ad you, makes you aware of all these things. So going into something next time, you just go, right, I'm prepared for this. And I know what I did last time, which was a bad move. So let's do the right thing this time. And I feel like I've got like a massive toolbox now of all the director's tools that I didn't have before. During COVID, it was a difficult time for, for everybody, let alone those people who were yeah dealing with post-production and everything like that. What was your mental health like during this period then? Um, I, I was kind of okay. I was, it was frustrating that nothing was happening with the film. Um, and again, as, as anyone who's done any following of Offworld will know that any social media or Kickstarter updates, emails, was saying the same thing we you know month after month it was hi guys we're still trying to get this film finished and uh well not a lot's happening i mean the sound mix took over two years to do and it, it was like a six-week job mm. but you know it went off to london to a studio and the guy doing it there he was doing some work on it sort of in the evenings and his downtime because it wasn't a paying job kind of thing yeah. um and then Lockdown happened, so the studio got closed, so he had to go home, and he didn't have any files. At one point, he said, send me all the files, and I'll do it at home. So we did all that, and he didn't have time to do it at home then. So then finally, the studio opens again. He's like, we've got a backlog of paid work to do, and I can't work on Offworld. I'm like, ah. So, you know, as much as he had good intentions to try and finish it for us, I had to make the executive decision. I said, look send it back just give us it back i know people with recording studios maybe we can do it there uh, so i did that i got a friend locally i had to raise more money online and to to pay for the studio time um but we went in and did the record the the sound mix there and did as best we could um the this the only difference is a, a music recording studio doesn't work in 5.1 um so the files we had back were set up for surround and stuff and a lot of that stuff we couldn't hear because we're in a stereo recording studio and it's no one's fault it's just horses for courses and um we even tweaked sound all the way up to um before we delivered to the distributor danny did some sound mix tweaking uh at home with her, her husband set up so yeah i mean again i can only reiterate that and i'm not making excuses i'm just saying that on on a zero budget when you're struggling to get things done you're still not going to end up with a pristine perfect film and you you, you obviously you've got much more experiences and there's always stuff you're going to look back and go that could have been better that could have been better and 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 only now i understand when george lucas said films aren't finished they're only abandoned yeah. because at some point it it's you've had enough and going back to the mental health issue you just go it's not a case of oh that will do or i've had enough of it it's more like i can't keep thrashing away at this thing it's not doing it's for the for the the time involved and the the effort and the stress and the money and everything else involved for the, for the most minuscule improvement it's not worth it yeah and the proof of that is i brought a friend in the other day my mate came over we had a couple of drinks and i got a tv there and I plugged the TV into my PC monitor and I said, let me show you Offworld. He's like, oh, 
And within 10 minutes, he he said, stop the film, stop the film. I said, what? That bad, is it? He goes, no. Can you shut up? So what? He goes, all you've done is apologize and point out flaws. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. I feel really, I've seen this film hundreds of times. He said, but I didn't notice half of this stuff you were pointing out. Just let me watch the film, will you? I'm like, all right, okay. So I'm trying to bite my tongue. He got to the end. He said, I don't know why you're like disparaging it so much. It's like, it's good. You made a feature film on like almost no money. He said, your acting is good. You're doing it in a Scot. I decided to play the character with a Scottish accent. Uh, and he's like, why did you do the Scottish accent? I said, because uh, I like to distance. I, I feel really self-conscious using my own voice if I'm acting. So I thought I'll I'll play this character with a slight Scottish accent. It's not over the top. It's just slightly like that, you know. So, I mean, I apologize to all my Scottish friends who may be watching this and saying, why is he mangling our accent? It doesn't come from anywhere. Specifically, it's like a very, like when you do an American accent, it's always like a mixture of Bronx and New York and whatever, Texan. Um, but he said, no, it's good. He said, I'm watching it and I'm looking at you and I've known you for like 40 years but it doesn't, it's like it's not you. It's like a guy who looks like you with a Scottish accent acting. He said, and it's it's cool. It's like watching actors. I'm not watching my mate Terry on screen. I'm watching an actor doing acting as Terry. You know, it's like, and he said, if you hadn't pointed out, oh, this shonky bit or that fluffed line or whatever, he said, a lot of it would have passed me by and I just got into the movie for what it is. So I've got to try and take some comfort from the fact that the people who do get there's always someone's going to say it's not very good is it it took you that long and it's still not very good it's like what do you what do you what are you expecting you know the next chris nolan film you know um but no i mean a lot of people will turn around and go nothing wrong with that yeah. you know and that's not me bragging it's just a case of like i say people who don't realize the things don't notice the things many things we fixed um aren't going to be as critical as I am because I've seen it hundreds of times in in close in you know microscope close up and gone oh that could be better what so, you need is you need uh, a screening because I've had this on much shorter post-production periods where say yeah. for six months I absolutely hate everything about the film you do you do you need to, um, you need to put it in a room with other people who haven't been sat next to you for the six months just to get the response and to yeah. get the uh, even to get the reassurance that it's going the right way um there was an uh, there was an advert last year on um online a lot for masterclass and it was the ron howard directing masterclass and the right. first thing he says was the first thing you gotta know is your film's gonna try everything to break your heart and he said it's ultimately gonna break your heart and i'm like now I know what he means. Now, anyone who's never tried to make a film will see that as some kind of crappy, pretentious soundbite. But it's the absolute truth. You hate the film. It upsets you. It falls short of what your idea should have been and that. But that's why I think we keep making films, because you want to get closer to perfection, which you, you could never do. But you still want to improve on your previous you know, uh, experiences. And there, is, and... there is just uh, endorphin release when you're screening it and you're showing it to people who, are, you know, have nothing to do with the film as well. And you're sat in yeah. the room with them. And, you know, uh, like I bet, right I bet there's the anxiety though. There is to right. start with. There is to start with. But at that point, you hate it so much that, you know, you, you can't go any lower. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of like, look, but... 
when you I know how much I hate it, just you know, bring it on. <laughs> but when the audience is reacting how you intend them to react at certain points. It doesn't have to be all of it. Some stuff cannot Ooh, work. And da, 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 da. Yeah. But when when there are reactions to certain bits um, that absolutely do work and do nail, that's it. That you know, that is yeah, cool. When we're doing the next one. That yeah, that yeah. reassures you that you you're not an idiot and you're like, I, I did know what I was doing and it did work. And yeah, maybe I'm not as much of a cowboy as I thought I was. And do you know what? Um a couple of days ago, Danny had a watch party for most of the cast. She got as many people together as possible uh, at Chris Josty's house. Right. And um, she said that the cast were blown away. And she said, she said, I was like 10, three sheets to the wind. She said, I was like two bottles of wine in because I couldn't face, face yeah. it. But she said, they, again, they saw the finished article, mm-hmm. didn't notice any remaining cock-ups or whatever and didn't notice the things we had fixed the hundreds of things we had fixed and they just saw it for what it was you know the face value and you know they said danny said they were blown away and it really made her feel better about and it made us both feel more understanding about why the distributor is willing to see some value in it when we're going really really though and he's like honestly don't be so critical now i wasn't there at the, the watch party so i don't know but again I showed it to one guy, a mate of mine, and he was like, dude, this is all right. This is actually all right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for but someone to come back it's and go. It's difficult to accept that. That's that's why, honestly, if if you can, if there is any opportunity to do a, a screening with, you know, people there that you don't know as well. We will do. Um, we, we, have, we have to get as many of the backers to watch it as possible because we owe them uh, first sure. and foremost. Yeah. And uh, at some point, you know, uh, you'll be able to see it yourself. And, and you know, I would honestly ask you to give me feedback. And it's like, don't don't soft soap it. Obviously, don't say you're a hack, you're rubbish, you should never make another film again. Because that you could be thinking that, but don't say that, sure. right? If it's not great, just go, wasn't that great, was it? Right, fine. I can live with that. Um, but at the same time, don't go, that was a masterpiece because I won't believe you. Yeah. You know? But that's, uh, that's the problem, isn't it? I think a lot of us suffer from imposter syndrome where. It, oh, like, we all you know, do. Yeah. It, it sounds like, you know, you had your mate rounds and, you know, he's your mate. So he's going to go gentle on you or whatever. Yeah. That's why it is important to get it in front of strangers um, who, who don't give a shit about your mental well being because yeah. they will, they will, you know, if. And and you will you'll get a you'll get a mixed reaction you'll get a varied thing but I think the bad will outweigh the good the good will outweigh the bad and all this kind of thing. Uh, with my first book, we decided to do a focus group, so we gave uh, we put adverts out and we got eight or nine people of different ages, different races, different um, areas of you know Wales or whatever. We hmm. gave them the book and in a month we asked them to all come together into a uh, an office. And we put a video camera on them and said, right, talk about the book. Now, I wasn't there. I was like, I, I was in the room next door going, I can't sit amongst this because it influenced what they'd say. They didn't know I was yeah. uh, next door. So we filmed it all. And uh, Sean came in to me, he said, do you want to come in and meet them now? So I walked in and said, hi, I, I wrote the book. And they're all like, oh, yeah, you know, well done. Blah, blah, okay. And I said, well, we won't go into much about what you've just said already, but I'll watch the thing. But thank you for your time. And we gave them food and drink and everything. And then I, w- I sat down and watched the, watched the footage, and there was a guy there who started off with, "Well, I hate science fiction," 
I was like, right, we've just given him a sci-fi comedy book. My book is very Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? And he's like, well, I don't like science fiction. Had I known that, I wouldn't have taken part in this. And he he went into shredding every part of the book. Like, the quality of the writing, the characters were horrible. He didn't like any of the events. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to give up. Uh, but then there were younger people, more sort of studenty types, who going, I really like this guy. I really like the character. Uh, I thought it was funny. It kept me going. It was a page turner. Some people was like, oh, it's a bit boring. The lead character is a bit misogynistic. I wasn't fussed on that. He's a bit of a lad. And all these kind of, and you get all this sort of varied things. And again, while the one guy was slagging it off, other people said it was great. And I think it'll sell well. So it balances. Yeah. And, and obviously the guy prefaced it with, well, I hate sci-fi. You go, right, so I can discount anything yes. you say. Well, that's it. It's not for him. So no, it's not for him. Absolutely. So he's never going to be impressed with it, you know. And he was only reading it because he was he agreed to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think that's that's one of the main takeaways. And and I've heard this from other filmmakers I've I've worked with and I've spoken with, is that you know, you're gonna have your fans. And if it's a sci-fi film, it's gonna be sci-fi fans gonna be tracking yeah. it down. You know, people who don't like sci-fi films, do you know what? I'm fairly sure they'll take one look at the cover and they'll go, that's not for me. And that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But you're going to find your crowd, you're going to find your people, and, you know, they're going to take the film as it is and, yeah, hopefully embrace it for what it was intended to be. 